What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. What's the key to building a high-performance team, and what specifically should you pay attention to about your D players that will get in the way of you being able to build that high-performing team? Those are at least two of the questions that we're going to answer today in this episode of the HR Impact Show. The person that's going to help us answer those two questions is joining us today. She's got a background that includes 20 years of sales, marketing, and leadership in the analytical chemistry and biology industry. She's been involved in selling capital equipment, renewables, and consumables. So that's all a long way of saying, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but she's a big deal. Carrie Simpson, welcome to the show. Thank you. Super pumped to have you on the show. And I know that I rushed through that intro. So the first things first, what did I miss? Nothing. That pretty much covers it. I've been doing uh, sales and marketing in chemistry and biology for the better part of 20 years. I've done sales. I've done marketing. I've been a rep. I've been a marketing person. I've managed teams. I've managed managers of teams. My, I'm a chemist at heart. My bachelor's is actually in chemistry and I've never really gotten away from that. I'm a little bit of a nerd, but I like the business side of things a little bit more. The goal for these conversations that we're having is to provide leaders in small to mid-sized organizations sort of a playbook that they can use to build high-performing teams. So the question that I have for you, Carrie, and I'm going to ask you to minimize the amount of snark that you have in your answer. So I know that's a big ask. So the question that I have for you is when you're thinking about building a high-performance team, what was the game-changing realization or discovery that you had that really helped you? Hopefully, sales leaders and marketing leaders learn this early in their career as marketing leaders. I did, but I was fortunate for that. And I was fortunate in that my first director of sales manager was just the greatest coach and mentor that a new manager could have. Um, he was very data-driven. He was very thoughtful. Uh, he was very business-oriented, also a scientist. And so I was very fortunate in who my mentor was to get to start out with. I think the thing that I that was the sort of the game changer for me was this idea when you first go into management, typically you're a high performer, right? People who are promoted into management from an individual contributor role tend to be the best on your team. And because you work hard, because you have that drive and that ambition, you tend to think that other people are like you. And one of the first things you learn as a leader is that when you have a team of people, they exist on a bell curve. Not everybody is like you. The best sales reps meet their customers where they live. And the best leaders meet their contributors where they live. Who are the people that work for you? What are the characteristics of a high-performing individual? They don't necessarily look like you. And I don't mean just physically look like you. I'm not talking about sort of diversity and I'm talking about personality, although diversity and inclusion is part of that. 
So I think you have to acknowledge that your team is going to exist on a bell curve. Your goal is to shift people to the positive on that bell curve. You also have to accept that not everybody's going to make that shift. That's a great starting point, And it brings up a ton of questions. So one of the things that I'm wondering, when you have that realization that not everybody is going to be like you, everybody exists on a bell curve, and some people may not accept or be willing or be capable of upping their game. When you take those realizations into account, how does that show up in your leadership style, in what you do at the team, what leaders should be doing in terms of development? Tell us a little bit more about how that should show up and how that should inform how you're building that elite team. I think something else that you have to acknowledge is that you cannot motivate people who don't want to be motivated. You can absolutely demotivate someone who is motivated. So your A players and your B players, those hardworking, motivated individuals, you have to get out of their way. You have to understand that your goal, that your role as their leader is to break down barriers and help them to be the best that they can be, and they will do it for you. So you always get more out of your A players and your B players than you will out of those folks that are on the lower end of the bell curve. With regard to those individuals, again, you can't motivate someone who's not motivated. You can't get someone to do something that they don't want to do. They're adults and they are entitled to make bad choices. And if you accept that and then work with the higher end of the bell, you're going to be a happier manager. But further to that, what you can do with the folks that are on the lower half of the bell curve is try and figure out why they're not motivated. Is it a professional issue? Can you help to fix whatever that is? Is it a personal issue that if you understand it because they've shared it, is there anything that you can do to support them through your HR programs, et cetera? Are there things going on in their lives that are just not going to be better And can you help get them through that? Do you necessarily want to be standing on someone who's in the middle of something that's really difficult in their life? Or can you have some compassion and say, I hear you, I get it, I'll stand by you, but once you get past the six months, I'm going to need you to step it up. And that kind of behavior, that kind of compassion actually earns loyalty from the people that work for you. They're going to want to work for you. They're going to want to do their best for you because you've taken the time to understand them, meet them where they live and get them through whatever that tough spot is. And then hopefully on the other side, you've got a motivated individual. You said a lot there, but there's something interesting about what you said. And you kept repeating the phrase fix. And the reason why I'm latching on to fix or improve or however you want to use that is this, your best sellers, or at least in my experience, the best sellers have always had this ability to probe and identify problems and then collaborate to bring up solutions. And you referenced fixed in terms of a team development uh, perspective. What's the danger in taking that instinct or that natural capability of fixing things? What's the danger in taking that too far that will get in the way of you being able to build that elite team? You can spend too much time trying to fix something that doesn't want to be fixed. It's that simple. If you have individuals that are going to want to do things the way they're doing those things, really the only thing you can do is give them a number and 
let them sink or swim. And that's really hard for me, actually. It's very hard for me to just acknowledge that a behavior is not going to get better and step back and let it go because I, I personally want to help everyone be the best that they can be. And that's actually a struggle for me. But you can wind up just down a rabbit hole that you don't need to go down. So there's an opportunity in what you just said. You said that it's very difficult for you. And I think for a lot of first-time managers or even experienced managers, it's going to be difficult for them to step away from somebody that needs help. So what's your advice to somebody else that might be experiencing that on how they can resist the urge to step away from that sort of scenario? Set expectations. First of all, make sure that the expectations that you're setting are realistic. Set them, encourage them, provide the tools that they indicate that they need to achieve those expectations, and then let them be adults. So let's apply what we've talked about so far and build an action plan to those new managers or even experienced managers who want to build high-performing teams. How would you break down everything that you said into a framework that can be easily applied or relatively easily applied for those managers and leaders out there that are looking to build a high-performance team? So I find a very simple exercise. Sit down and draw a bell curve and put your reps on the bell curve where they are. If you have someone who is currently an A player, and someone who's currently a C player, and someone who's currently a, B, a D player. Put them on the bell curve, and then draw another bell curve, and draw where you think they could be based on how hard they work, based on how much they prospect, based on if you're managing managers, how much time they spend with, with their managers. Put them where you think they could be with the right time and development and effort. And if you have a D player that on one bell curve is still a D player on the next bell curve, then you should provide them feedback, provide them expectations, let them know that they are that you are there for them and that you will be there for them and that you are committed to their success. And then put some one-on-ones on your schedule for them. Make sure that you don't just quit on them, but you also have to allow them to decide if they're going to be a D player or not a D player. If they're not suited to the role, you need to have a conversation about whether with them about whether or not they're happy in the role and about whether they want to do something different and then help them to find that space, right? Is it within your company? Is it not within your company? I think these are all very reasonable conversations to have with adults. I keep going back to that. I don't mean to be condescending, but I think when we as leaders feel like it's our job to fix people, or to make things better when they don't want to be made better, then we're treating them as children at some level. And that's not a great use of your time. But when you have individuals on that bell curve that are C players that could be A players or B players that could be A players or A players that look like they're maybe going towards B or C, those are the folks that you want to spend time with. You really want to spend time with them. You want to understand what it is that's making them a C player when they should be an A player and try and break down that barrier. You wanna make sure that if you have an A player and they're motivated, that you wanna figure out everything that's going on with them. If they want, if they're a development opportunity and you wanna keep them in your organization, that you're making the time to develop them for the next level, or they're gonna go. 
That's great stuff, Carrie. If I'm summarizing what you you just said, I, I identified five steps in that, in what you just told us. Step one, meet people where they are. That's where you draw your bell curve and you put them where your capability assessment has them. Step two is build a vision for yourself of where they could be and obviously communicate that vision to that person. Step three, offer the level of support that is consistent with where they are from a potential perspective and also make sure your expectations are clear. Step four, make sure you don't quit on anybody regardless of where they are on that spectrum. And step five, make sure you're compelling ownership for that member of the team to own their career and then collaborate with them to find them the right spot that matches their capability. Did I, how did I do? Is that a good job? That was a good job. Thank you. All right. Awesome. Thank you for attending my TED Talk. All right. So, Carrie, before, so this is a great conversation. I know we covered a lot of things in a short amount of time. If people want to follow up and and have a more detailed conversation, where can they find you? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm happy to speak with anyone. Thanks for hanging out with us today. And for those of you who have listened to this conversation, uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you drop us a review and tune in next time on the HR Impact Show, where we will have another great leader sharing with us their best practices in building an elite team. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.